0: Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecky Lozano. Everyone, I am so excited because starting in our next podcast episode, in two weeks, we are going to be doing a book study on The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey. This is a really beautiful book. It's so easy to read. It's a wonderful beginner book. If you haven't read any of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd books yet, it's also a really great refresher for anybody who has done formation before. So we're going to be doing four consecutive episodes on the first four chapters of The Good Shepherd and The Child. So order your book now so that you have it and are ready to go for in two weeks. You can read the chapter before the episode or after the episode or during the episode, whatever you want to do. Get your friends together and talk about the book. Get on Zoom calls together. We're going to have some discussion questions and some points to ponder on our webpage. So look on our webpage, cgsusa.org. Click the button where it says learn and then down where it says book study. And you'll be able to find lots of information to help you get together with your friends, to dive into this book more, or just even to do it by yourself. We're also going to be posting some of those questions on our Facebook page so that we can have some online discussion there that go with each of the chapters of the book. I'm so excited to do this journey with you guys. I'm so excited to grow together as community through this really beautiful book. So go in our show notes. I will have a link there so that you can order the book, The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey, so that you can join us on this beautiful journey. Today, I have a really great episode for you. I interviewed Pam Moore, who is the author of the book, Taste and See, Savoring the Child's Wisdom. This is a really beautiful book that we offer with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. For anybody who wants to Do what it says and savor the child's wisdom in these small doses. It's one of those books that you want to just put on your nightstand and read the very short chapters before you go to bed, maybe, or whenever you have time, just so that you can sit there and ponder. It is a really beautiful book to help us understand the beauty and depth that the child's wisdom has for us as a gift for us. I just recently found out about this book, and it is definitely a hidden treasure for anybody who has children in their lives. So I invite you all to listen to this episode and to Pam Moore's wisdom. And if you're interested in ordering her book, I will also put a link to that in our show notes as well. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Welcome, Pam, to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. We are very excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm excited, too. (laughs) Pam, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I was thinking about this and remembering that I didn't get to go to college right after high school like a lot of folks. I didn't go until um, I had children and I went into early childhood development. Um, And as I was going through that, I happened to hear about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd And Carol Nyberg invited me into her atrium because I kept hearing about this Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, my gosh, Hmm. this is perfect. We're aware of child development in every subject, but never have I heard about it in terms of their religious education. And so I was like totally hooked. As soon as I saw it, it was just like, oh, duh. And so my first course I took was with Carol Nyberg and Tina Lulig. It was their first first course they ever offered in the United States or anywhere, I guess. And so that's where it all began. And, you know, it just led from uh, there to taking more courses and working in atriums. And pretty quickly, I was director of religious ed at my church and then we moved and i went to another church and was the director there and have taken all three levels of the catechesis of the good shepherd and it's been my life ever since i did teach preschool for quite a while using my child development you know degree mm-hmm. but the montessori method just oh my gosh Blows my mind away, and so I tried mm-hmm. to integrate some of that into my classrooms. And we had a multi-age preschool, so I had three to five year olds. So that was really lovely to have that instead of like just three year olds or just four year olds. So yeah, and during those times when I was, um, you know, director in the various parishes, I would write newsletters monthly, monthly newsletters, and. You know, trying to convey what this catechesis is all about and how it's different from the traditional kind of Christian formation, so people might have got tired of me right. <laughs> doing this all the time, but um, I loved writing. I still love writing, um especially about this, and uh I got to a point where. Um, I had a lot of them and it just occurred to me one day that maybe I should put them together in a book. And I proposed that to Tina Lillig and she was like, yeah, that would be great. And they were looking for what their next book would be that they'd publish. And so this was it. So she was able to read it and review it and put a little piece in it at the beginning of the book before, unfortunately, she died. So that's kind of the story, you know, one thing building on another and just that movement from small to great and just Mm -hmm. keep keep going Mm -hmm. on. I did also get a chance to visit Sophia Cavalletti in Italy in 2004. Oh wow! Um, yeah, Tina set that up for me, and I um, had written a thesis, you know, a course about catechesis and servant ministry of the <laughs> of the adult and stuff. And she was very, very gracious. And you know, she if she said it once, she said it a million times. That you know, we got to keep our eye on the child. She really didn't want to hear about you know, my thesis about the adult and how it transforms the adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting, but not surprising, I suppose, you know, because it's very easy to, for us to get kind of fixated on ourselves. And mm-hmm. she was very cautious about making sure we didn't get into that mode. It's, a, it's about the child and what, what we can learn from them, but really what, how we can serve them so that they can grow up loving a a
0: living God. Yeah. Well, your book, Taste and See, Savoring the Child's Wisdom, it does a very good job of doing that, of staying focused on the child and what is the child revealing to us? What is the child showing us? Um, And this book, am I correct in saying that this book is the collection of your newsletters and writings? That you put together into this book, Taste and See.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I love this book. I've really enjoyed reading it because it is such a great way for in small doses, for anybody who has children in their life to just read one chapter and just kind of, like you said, savor it a little bit and mm-hmm. help to realize the depth that the children really have, the depth of knowledge, spiritual knowledge that the children have and in, in that they could feed the adult. I especially like in your introduction, I loved the way you said the child is the mystery of the conversion of the adult by the child. So the children have this capacity to help adults to be converted, which I think is probably what you were saying with your thesis statement for Sophia Cavaletti that you presented to her, but she was like, the focus is the child. The focus is the depth that the child has.
1: Right. Right. And the joy that children have, you know, Mm they, they, stay in that first moment of the covenant and that's something that us adults don't do we already want to make a response and make a moral judgment you know of sorts
0: yes we have a tendency to make things a lot more complicated and a lot bigger and the children have this beautiful ability to keep things essential and joyful that we just right. need to keep remembering. And, and that is one gift that we have. And, and I think you talk about it throughout your whole book that us as catechists, being blessed to be constantly surrounded by a child or even parents or grandparents or anybody with children in their life are blessed to be around the children to help us remember to be joyful with God, to be essential with God and not get so overwhelmed with all of the, the extras right. and the details. And...
1: and not be so hard on ourselves. Really, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is so interesting. Children will just say whatever they say mm. and and then move on, you know, and they're not sitting there dwelling on it. Oh, that was a great thing. That was a cool <laughs> thought, you know, <laughs> which, yeah, we would tend to do,
0: you know. Well, one thing I love that you mentioned that you do is you kept a journal after each of your atrium sessions or any of your encounters with children. So whenever a child had that nugget of pearl wisdom that they gave to you and, um, you know, like they moved on, they were like, here's this beautiful nugget. And then they move on from it. But you took it and wrote it down after each session. I think that that's a really great practice. I think that I want to start doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It is really helpful. I didn't actually do it every single time, but you know, sometimes you know, it was even in the age stream and of course there's another catechist or two with me and you know, I'd be like giving them the eye of like, write that down you know, <b- laughs> before we forget it, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and it just takes it takes practice, it takes time. And, you know, I don't know how many pages my book is, you know, barely a hundred I think. Oh not even a hundred, like eighty you know, that's over like 20 years, you know, so you don't get these gems or a recession, that's for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so just to be patient. It's like trying to watch the uh, kettle boil. It Mm -hmm. never does. You know, you just, Mm -hmm. they just come as surprises and as gifts. And then we, you know, they're they're so rich, we need to save room. If they came all the time, we'd just be like, overwhelmed.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I think, Yeah, keeping a journal does help even to see patterns, you know. Yeah. I had one child, oh gosh, way back, who every single atrium session um, worked with them at nativity. She was probably four or five at the time, every single time, you know, and that a child wouldn't get away with that, you know, in a traditional classroom. And I knew this, but it it didn't really click for me that her parents were going through a divorce. And so, of course, the Holy Family was something that she related to Mm. because of what was going on in her family. Now, I never heard anything from her, you know, no proclamation, no, you know, even talking to herself or anything. But just the fact that she got that week after week, she would get that out and... That seemed to be the prayer she needed at that time.
0: Well, I agree with you that it kind of hones those skills by writing those down each time. It kind of makes you a little bit more aware of what right. is going on around you. I think when we take the time to write something down, it teaches us to be constantly be looking for it, which is I think what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. um, because you took the time to write it down, you then were opening up your eyes to the children's beauty that, that was constantly surrounding you. So that when they did happen, like what you're saying with the child and the nativity set, your eyes were opened because you were looking for it. You were looking uh, for God speaking through the children um, because yeah. you were taking the time to write it down and to become aware of it. Right.
1: And also what writing it down does is make you sure aware of who you're not paying attention to. Mm. You know, there's always the squirrely verbal ones that draw your attention, but then the quieter ones—they're being quiet, so you'd leave them alone. But mm-hmm. you know, it's good to you know have a balance. Being aware, of,
0: you know, what you're not paying attention to is is big. Well, throughout your book, you do a very beautiful job of observing the child, and anyone who has children in their life especially right now when we have so much focus on the domestic church as we are not able to come together as a community in the atrium, sometimes in masses, So the domestic church is, is so important always and right now, especially. So as the domestic church and as people who have children in their life, would you speak into the value of observation? Because it's very obvious throughout your book that you take the time to observe the child. The a child what they're saying what they're doing and what their needs are right um i think the biggest
1: thing to do as a parent is to just have the prayer time and not try to make it more than it is Mm -hmm. questioning the child too much about did they get it kind of thing questions about you know did you see how Jesus did this, or did you see how you know so and so respond to that? Uh-huh. You know, but to just let the stories be the stories, and and that just the time together, sitting in a sacred moment with the holy word of the of God, um, is enough. That's a really hard thing. It's a hard thing to do, and it's a hard thing to convey too. You know, as parents, we always want to make sure our children are advancing and learning, and that's all good. But when it comes to their religious life, to anybody's religious life, you know, not even the child, I mean, we wouldn't want to be grilled, you know, Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. what we got out of, say, a homily. If somebody asked us after a service, you know, like, so what did they say in the homily? Well, who Mm -hmm. of us can really articulate that, you know? Right. Um, but again, you know, it's about being gentle, you know, right now we're all so anxious, scared and confused that to just read the scripture, just, just as it is, and just, you know, not too much fluff around it. And that's basically what we do in the atrium is yeah. just hold it out there.
0: Yeah, I think it's very important for us to first recognize that the child already has this deep relationship with God. So um, for us to remember that we're not giving him something that they don't already have. We are just creating a space for the encounters to happen. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, it kind of puts us into check of who we are within that relationship. We are not the teacher. We are not the savior. We are, we are sitting next to them. And, and that if we take on that observation mm-hmm. mentality rather than a teacher mentality, we might see that God is speaking to us through the child, through um, the word. Right, yeah. And how the child kind of encounters the word. I love how in one of your chapters you talked about The beautiful things that the children lift up, you were talking about Jesus was there giggling away in the, in the, in the nativity scene and everything. That's what the children said, that that Jesus was just, they're giggling away. And that we can see the observations of the child and what the child has lifted up after listening to the scripture. And we can take that in as maybe the most important or most essential or part of the, the doctrine that God is trying to speak to us because they, hone in on that what is most valuable right yeah i I really loved the way you spoke into that that value of the children's observation and how it really if we paid attention if we paid attention to what the children were saying we might actually hear different doctrine than if as we Uh are listening with our adult ears right yeah yeah
1: they're amazing as i looked again at the book i'm like oh i remember you know I, I remember the children who said these things or drew these mm. things. Yeah, what a gift. I, you know, I just can't hardly believe the gifts they've been given by these kids.
0: Yeah, I think it just takes an opening up of our minds and our, and our ears and our eyes to be able to, to see that. And I think it takes a humbling stance as us as the adults in the children's life. Right. Um, to allow yeah. them to teach us and to be, to be wise to us.
1: Mm-hmm hmm
0: I guess also, you know, it just occurred to me at home,
1: like in the atrium, we have art materials. And so those can be available for not always, maybe, but after a prayer time of available for coloring or cutting and pasting, you know, or for older children, weaving or, you know, some sort of handwork. And you can, we can just say, let's just let this seep into us as we draw or as we crochet or cut and paste, you know, Mm -hmm. just let it seep in. I think it's then when children are given that freedom to make whatever response, that's when we get the gems. But again, not always, or we can't see it at the time, you know, a lot of it's internal silence. We have to keep remembering that silence is a prayer Mm mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It takes the, them having that time space uh-huh. to be able to get into that deeper moment, to be able to encounter God. Right. There was one thing that you said in the be- the end of your introduction that I had a question about. You said uh-huh. that you may also consider meditating on a child's drawing or art or reflection oh. on a child's prayer. So as an adult, as meditating on those, can you speak into that a little bit more? What does that look like? What gifts can come from that?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, well, <laughs> a lot, because a, a lot of, well, all of the children's art that I've seen is something I would never have expected. And they just com- combined symbols and different images in a way that we would never imagine. And I'm thinking particularly of, and I think it's, I'm sure it's in the book, of a, ch- a picture that a child made of the altar. And then there's two hands coming mm-hmm. from above down and this big U shape. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't resist. You know, I had to ask him, I'm like, so yeah, tell me tell me what you've got here. And this was a child who had a very hard time settling down. And he said, oh, that's the hands and tongue of God, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up, but um, what did he write in there? He wrote something in it, oh, yes, on the tongue is the word yes, so to look at that, you know, it's like, okay, this is the tongue of God saying yes, what is God saying yes to? you know, is God saying yes to giving his son? yes to giving us the gift of the eucharist Mm -hmm. yes to just the whole self-giving nature of god Um, yes i want to be with you and then you know the hands are right there like reaching Mm -hmm. down to embrace us Mm -hmm. yeah to just look and just go oh my gosh and then there's the big sun just on the the right-hand side, not totally in the picture, that light, God is light, Jesus is the light. I could sit with this one forever because so often, you know, we don't think as adults that God is saying yes to us. Mm-hmm. Instead, we have this image of a judgmental God, but the children bring us back to the God that, you yeah, know, is saying yes, yes. Uh, Yes, I want to be your God. Yes, I want to be with you. Yes, you are precious. Wow. And the colors, now this in the book, of course, is black and white, but the colors are bright colors, you know, that corresponds to that yes. Wow. I've always thought that this one in particular, I would like to put on fabric and embroider, Mm. you know, and that's
0: a way to keep meditating on it by sitting there and embroidering the child's picture.
1: It, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That is definitely a way to savor the child's wisdom right there by doing that.
1: Yeah. And who knows what might come to mind when I would do that. Right. You know, so any of the the drawings that the children do, where they incorporate images from different places or words that, are familiar but then the children tweak it a little bit um like the one i'll never forget this one where the child took the maxim love your enemies Mm -hmm. and changed it to your enemies are like the stars in the sky you should love them Mm -hmm. And I really did talk to your parents a couple of times, just talk to the child a little bit just to see if, I don't know, studying space in school or talking about enemies or whatever, but no, nothing. And I'm just like, what poetry is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your enemies are like the stars in the sky.
0: Yeah. It's like what you said, the child is like a prophet. Yes. Leading us to God, with revealing God's secrets to us. Yeah,
1: yeah. God sees the little bit of light that is in our enemies, that there's still a light there. What a thing to dwell
0: on in our time right now with all that's going on. Wow. Well, I really appreciate that part of your book or that aspect of your book that it is a reminder to us the the deep wisdom that the child has. Uh They give us these small little pieces of wisdom for us to sit there and chew on for a little bit. And I appreciate in, in your book that it reminds us as adults who have children in our lives to look for and to respect that deep wisdom that is already there. Right. And let them guide us back to God. So I think that your book has a lot to offer us as the adult in a, in a place of observation, but also in a place of humility in front of the child. Right. Well, Pam, before we finish today, do you have a story that you would like to share with us about a time with the children in the atrium or that particularly stood out to you? Oh
1: gosh. Um, Well, I have one actually that didn't take place in an atrium, um, but it was when I was teaching preschool and it was at a Lutheran church and Yeah, I would bring in materials from the atrium. And so I brought in the parable of the good shepherd, you know, with all the figures and sheepfold and things and presented it and things, you know, talked about it and stuff. And at the very end, one of the kids asked me who made this material, who made this? And Mm -hmm. I said, oh, a friend of mine made it. Someone (laughs) from the parish had made it. And this little boy said, Oh, he must be a good man. (laughs) You know? And I'm just like, Wow, they could tell just by looking at how beautiful those materials are. You know, they weren't plastic, it wasn't felt, it was this beautiful wooden sheepfold with all the sheep and the good shepherd mm-hmm. and could tell the the character of the person who made it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, what we do doesn't have to happen in the atrium. You know, it happens elsewhere as well, wherever we are, you know, and our ch- children, at least the children I'm around, <laughs> they have way more than they possibly need. And it's so hard to not do that, you know, but to pick and choose, you know, some just really well crafted things for them to Play with and handle and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot, but that one really stands out because it wasn't in the atrium. The children weren't normalized, as we say, mm-hmm. you know. But they still knew that this was precious. The materials were precious. I mean, they sat perfectly still, for, and these were three to five year olds um, for the presentation. And yeah, you don't have to have the perfect environment. Mm -hmm. When you have the perfect word and you have beautiful materials Mm -hmm. and it's presented with dignity.
0: That's such a beautiful example of how our work with the children or our encounters with the children lead us towards God and lead them towards God is not limited to the atrium space. Uh Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much, Pam. Thank you so much for this really beautiful gift of this book, Taste and See, Savoring the Child's Wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and sharing your observations of the child's wisdom with all. Thank you. And thanks for sharing with us today on the podcast. We really appreciate you.
1: Thanks. Thanks. I feel honored. It's been a very blessed journey. Just amazing to me. Yeah, And it's so great to have so many
0: other people on the same journey. And It is. Well, thank you, Pam. You're welcome. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you're interested in Pam's book, I have it down in the show notes, a link that you can order it. If you would like to see the picture that Pam talks about that the child drew, it is on page 27 of her book, We're also going to put the picture on our Facebook page so you can go look on it there so that you can see the beautiful artwork of the child and what Pam was discussing in this episode. Also, don't forget to order your copy of The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey so that you can join us on our journey through a book study for the next four episodes of the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We thank all contributing members to the association because of you this podcast is possible. So thank you so much. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd or to become a member, please go to www.cgsusa.org. Thank you for joining us. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.